You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, a lawyer stands up to test Jesus and asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this question is serious business. This question is the question upon which our salvation hangs. Life and death is in the balance here. But you see, this this lawyer thinks that he has eternal life already. He's got it in the bag. And so this question for him is a trick. Now, the first thing we need to know about this is that the word lawyer means something different in the Gospels than it does for us today. This is a man who had given himself completely to the law of Moses, who had studied it, who had learned it, who had who was striving with everything that he was to keep it. And he thinks that he's done it, that he's kept the law, that he's earned God's favor. So he comes to Jesus with this attitude to test him, to trick him, to show everybody who is listening that this Jesus is a phony. This all comes out when Jesus answers his question with another question. Jesus says to him, What's written in the law? What's your reading of it? Now, this man gives a good according to the law answer. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, these are almost, dear saints, the same exact words that Jesus uses to answer another question. Jesus was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And he gave the answer. The greatest commandment is, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. But you see, Jesus was using those words to answer a different question. What's the greatest commandment? But this lawyer uses these words to answer the question, how can I inherit eternal life? Now, this is a summary of the law. Love the Lord. That covers the first table of the commandments, the first three. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Love your neighbor covers the second table of the law, the last seven commandments that have to do with our neighbor. But you see, Jesus, when he answered and used those words, he was answering this question about the commandments. This lawyer is answering a question about salvation, and he thinks that he has achieved this salvation by keeping the law. He wanted eternal life through the law, which is impossible. And Jesus will now use his own answer and turn turn it against him. Watch. To this man who thinks he's kept the commandments, Jesus says, do this and you will live. Do you see that? He thinks he's done it. And Jesus says, do it. <laughs> he thinks he's at the finish line. And Jesus says, when are you going to start the race? <laughs> This unsettles the man a bit because he wants to justify himself by his own works and by his own actions. So he asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? And to this, Jesus answers the parable of the good Samaritan. Now, I have heard the complaint before that Lutherans don't preach enough on good works. And I suppose in some ways this complaint might be true. After all, when we come to church, when we're gathered here by the Holy Spirit, the very first thing we do is we say that we're sinners. 
When, the, when, when you're here in the Lord's house, we gather together as an unholy mess. We, we are standing here today like this man who is beaten, robbed, stripped, moaning for help in the gutter of the path there. And, and the priest and the Levite pass by. That is, there is no help for sinners from the law. Imagine in the parable, if instead of passing by on the other side of the road, the priest walked up to the edge of the road and looked down at the man who was half dead and preached a sermon to him. The sermon would be something like this. You down there, you need to keep the law better. What do you do laying down, resting, sleeping? You look so lazy to me. <laughs> there you are wallowing in the mud, which is no good. You're going to get dirty. And look, I see you're all covered with blood. You'll want to stop bleeding right away or else you'll be unclean according to the law. And look, as you're laying there in the gutter, you're totally neglecting your family and all of your other duties, taking a nap in the ditch. Stand up, get going, get after it. While the man in the ditch is simply trying to muster up the strength to say, help me. Now, pastor, you say, we're not all down in the ditch all the time. Sometimes we're walking along the road. Fair enough. Sometimes, in fact, every day, we have opportunity to serve our neighbor. But we are at the same time, in the mystery of our saint and sinner lives, we are always, at the, always laying down at the bottom of the ditch. Jesus would put us there with the lawyer that comes to test him and with everyone else who would justify themselves. And he does it with this little sermon. Do this and you will live. Which is to say, don't do this and you will die. This condemnation of Jesus is for the lawyer and for every child born of Adam. That is, it's for you. Like David and St. Paul preach, no one is righteous. No, not one. The law first strikes us like a thunderbolt and knocks us off the road. It, like a hammer, crushes us into the mud. And rather than giving us eternal life, the law shows us that we have deserved eternal death. Love is a summary of the law. And this word love, which sounds like the most beautiful word in the world to us, is really a deadly command because love demands everything. There is no love, no, no there is no rest or no peace, no finish with love. Never, ever in our lives can we look at these two great commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself and say, I've done it today. Walk the dog? Check. We can do that. Cut the grass? Check. We can, or we should. <laughs> I need to. But you can do it. You can accomplish it. Love God with everything I've got? Check. No. Love my neighbors, myself? Never done. It's never accomplished. Which means you're down in the ditch. And your only hope is a stranger that will come along and consider you to be his neighbor. One who will come down into the ditch, step into the mud, drag your bloody corpse onto his shoulders and carry you to safety. And this, dear saints, has been done. All of the wrath of God, 
that the law has put onto you has been suffered by Jesus. When he was dragging his cross out of the praetorium from the face of Pilate, you were riding along, being carried by Jesus to safety. Jesus has rescued you. He has redeemed you. He saved you. His neighborliness to you has won for you eternal life. And His good works, the things that He has done in His life and in His death and in His resurrection, these are the good works that echo in His church. The good works that are extolled from His pulpit. The the works that we sing about in the hymns. But dear saints, it is also true that Jesus loves you so much that He does not leave you there down in the ditch. He pulls you out. He takes you to the inn. He binds up your wounds. He gives you life. He fills you with His Holy Spirit. And His Spirit is living and active. He saves you for the purpose of doing good works that He Himself has prepared before you. So that we are at the same time the half-dead man in the ditch and the Samaritan walking along the road. And this is where the Sermon on Good Works comes in. Now, when it comes to our works, our good works, the devil has two chief temptations for us. The first temptation is that the devil tempts us to trust in them. If you're down in the ditch and the mud of repentance, you've taken care of this. It's not your problem. But the second temptation regarding good works is to despair of them. To think, I'm such a big sinner that I can never do anything good. This voice is the voice of the devil, not of your Jesus. After all, how can you even know that you're a sinner unless you've attempted to be righteous? How can you know that you've broken God's commandment unless you've actually tried to keep it? (laughs) You see, Jesus does not want us to be sinners in the abstract. And this is the second temptation regarding good works, that we despair of the law so that we don't even do them, don't even try. I sometimes wonder, now you can tell me after church if if this is true or if this is not true, I think about it for myself. I wonder when we're confessing our sins, if, if we think of them as a, our sin as potential sin, something like, boy, I bet I would surely break the fifth commandment if I ever even tried to keep it. <laughs> but the attempt is never even made. The venture never begun. I'll probably forget to say my prayers tomorrow, so I'm not going to say them today. And this is kind of a good works despair. If you'll excuse an example from my own life, there is a tipping point to the messiness of my garage. (laughs) If there's a few things out of place in the garage, I say, I need to tidy up the garage. A few more things out of place, and I say, I need to plan a day to clean the garage. But at some point, the messiness of the garage reaches a a, a certain level of disaster (laughs) that I start to ask the question, I wonder if it would hurt the rest of the house if I blew up the garage. (laughs) This is a kind of despair that it'll never be done. So it's never even begun. I can't see the end, so I don't even make a beginning. Do you see? And this is how the devil tempts us to, to do good works. You'll never be good, so don't even try. Now, with the question in the text today, Jesus is addressing this despair. Who is my neighbor? If we were to answer that question, as I'm afraid we're often taught in Sunday school, that everyone in the world is my neighbor, 
then we'll certainly have a messy garage type of despair over good works. Because how can you possibly love everybody in the world? But dear saints, just as you do not have abstract sins, you do not have abstract neighbors. We ask the question, who is my neighbor? By asking the question, what is my vocation? And my vocation, my station in life, defines who my neighbor is. It gives my neighbor a name. Am I a child? Then your neighbor is your parents. Love them. Am I a parent? Your neighbors are your children. Love them. Am I married? Your neighbor is your spouse. Love them. Am I a student? Your neighbor is your teacher. Am I a worker? Your neighbor is your boss. Love them. Am I a pastor? Your neighbor, your neighbors are the people of the congregation. Love them. Do you get the picture here? The people who are sitting next to you, the people who live next to you, the people who are close by, these are your neighbor, and it is enough to love them. It is enough to begin to love and serve them. Jesus has bound you up to them, bound you up to your neighbor with his command to love and to serve. And this is where our good works begin. For our good works to be good, they will always be pointed at these, your neighbors. And this love of you for your neighbor is always shaped like a cross. It always means giving something up, something that we love. It always means dying, laying down our lives for the one that Jesus has bound us up to. Serving our neighbor, loving our neighbor, it puts us to death, but it gives them a little bit of life. In fact, if you want to think of it this way, good works are our repentance towards our neighbor. For when we ask the question, what should I repent of when we come to church? When we stand before God, we say, what is my station in life according to the Ten Commandments? And that tells us all the sins we need to repent of. But when we wake up in the morning and look at our neighbor, we ask the same question. What is my station in life according to the Ten Commandments? And we get after it. We begin. We start. Where Jesus finished and took the last step, we take the first. And in our good loves for our neighbors, we start what he has already accomplished. And in these, our good works towards our neighbor ventured, we see again and again the perfect and complete and unending love of Jesus. His patience for us. His love for us sinners. And we rejoice not only that Jesus has given us neighbors and bound us to them in love, but even more and all the while that Jesus has made himself our neighbor. And he has bound himself to us in mercy. This is our confidence. And this is our hope. Amen. May the grace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.